welcome to the Nutrition Awareness Podcast, co-hosted by yours truly, Kate Richardson and Megan Pachecki. We're two registered dietitians here to make your life easier by debunking diet myths, sharing scientific information about nutrition, and keeping you motivated to reach your goals. We want to teach you everything we know by giving you real life examples of how we've helped our combined thousands of clients transform their lives, lose weight, and get healthy without having to go on another cookie cutter diet. On this podcast, we'll be giving you our best advice, strategies, and mindset shifts so you too can reach your goals using food and most importantly, enjoy the process. You ever go back to your parents' house and feel like even though you're a grown adult, you start acting like you were when you were a teenager? Just like acting and eating the way you were when you were 13, 14 years old? Rebellion. Yeah. (laughs) I've noticed that it's not even just like the food choices I make because I'm just back in that like familiar system and environment. But like I sometimes just act like a kid. Uh, okay, give me an example. Let's, like, let's have let's have a story. So I don't know. I'll see if I can put this into words. But you know how in every relationship you have, you're a slightly different version of yourself. Mm-hmm. Like how you behave mm-hmm. around your husband's different than me, different than your friends. Mm-hmm. So there's a version of myself that I am around my parents, and I feel like it's Ugh. different yes. than the version I am anywhere else. So when I go to their house, like, I let them be my parents, which is, like, a little break from being me. Mm -hmm. So I'll just hang on the couch, and if my mom wants to bring me water, like, I'm like, yeah, like, you know, whatever they want to do for Mm me. I I feel like a lot of the topic of conversation is about me. (laughs) That's how it's always been. I don't know. And it's weird because it's not like that in other situations. Mm Mm-hmm. I have a perfect example of this for me. Yeah. I was home at my parents, and Will was back here hanging out with all of our friends, and I wasn't there because I was at my parents. And they were talking about how I revert to this other person Mm -hmm. when I go back, and he was like, I'm going to ask her to send me a picture. I bet you she has a cutoff t-shirt on, ripped up (laughs) jeans, and like a hat with a fish hook in it or some kind of camouflage (laughs) on somewhere. And everyone was like, what are you talking about? Like, there's no way. Like, that's not a... No, she doesn't wear any of that stuff, whatever. So he was like, send me a picture. So I happened to be fishing. Like, (laughs) at the time. So I took a picture holding up a fish with a camo hat on <laughs> and my cutoff t-shirt and it was like oh yeah like she's this totally different animal <laughs> she goes Animal's back the right to word. the ohio valley <laughs> she's a beast <laughs> <laughs> it's funny and and the reason why we're talking about this is because i had a client reach out to me on the daily accountability program and just a little backstory about him i mean he's just been in a great routine he's been kicking butt, taking names, losing weight, sticking to his goals, not many little hiccups, which on one hand, I always think is a great thing, but also like when somebody comes out of the gate really strong and they're like full speed ahead, yeah, you know, and it's like professionally, I'm always like, well, I want to cheer them on and encourage all these things, but also just let's brace ourselves for the thing. And so his thing was going back to his parents' house for uh, a few days in, in South Florida. And all of a sudden, he just got back in these habits of late night eating. And two nights go by, three nights go by, and we're like, I'm like, okay, so like, we're, what's happening here? Like, we've got to pump the brakes. There's something missing. You know, what is causing you to eat at your parents? Mm -hmm. 
And so that had been something we had worked on. And that's where the idea of this podcast came up because I was like, oh, like I do the same thing at my parents' house or at a relative's house. Yeah, when you brought it up to me, it resonated to me because when I'm at my parents' house, I eat stupid things that I don't enjoy. Mm -hmm. So if that same thing was presented to me here in Orlando or someone brought it over, I'd be like, "Mm, I'm not interested in that. But my parents always have little Debbie snack cakes, Mm -hmm. always, always in their pantry. And I don't think that they're, I don't like any, I don't like the cosmic brownies. I know. I don't like any of them. I think they all taste like chemicals. I don't like ho-hos. Like, I don't like any of them. So I'm not like, oh, nostalgia. This used to be in my lunch. I love these things. I don't like how they taste. But every time I'm there, I eat one. Uh-huh. Why? Like, why do I find myself doing that? Why do I find myself eating the Neapolitan Kroger brand ice cream? Like, <laughs> it's, not it's not that good. good. But I go to the freezer and I get it out and I won't even put it in a bowl. I get my little spoon, uh-huh. which is what I used to do as a kid. I'd Same. sneak in there, take out the gallon of ice cream and just go at it in the kitchen for a little bit. Shut the front door because I did the same thing when I was dog sitting for my parents a week and a half ago. I had this like, I just spent the night at their house while they were gone and like their house is nice and I like it. It's just comfortable. Like grown up, they got a nice house and they had ice cream in the fridge and it was like a like vacation for me <laughs> and I found it's Cherry Garcia or something. Not Cherry Garcia, it was like chocolate cherry off brand. I would never ever in a million years, but I was like, oh yeah, like for here, like why not? Let's do it. And it was weird. It was like the environment of just being super comfortable. Yeah. And like that teenager, like, I'm going to do what I want, eat what I want. Maybe it's the the lifting the veil of responsibility. So like all the responsibility of of like you have to pay your bills, Mm -hmm. you have to go to work, like you're in charge of your life now. Mm -hmm. But then when you go back to your parents' house, it's almost like you remember Mm -hmm. what it was like to have that responsibility not there. So without responsibility, like like, there's also no responsibility of like this ho-ho's 400 calories of bullshit yeah. <laughs> that I have to worry about when I'm 13. Yeah. Okay, I don't know why this visual keeps coming up in my head when you talk about ho-hos. I'm so gross for this. Like, remember those, like, the zebra cakes yep. that were, like, mm-hmm. oxagon or yep. rectangle? Sure do. I would, like, eat the skin off of it. Oh, yeah, because <laughs> you could peel it. Yeah! Off and eat it, like... Yeah. I wonder if this is weird only child shit. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's part of it too because there's literally nobody there judging you or giving you you know what about what you eat. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it is for me because like there is like when I'm alone, I have my own thoughts and I hold myself to a different standard on how I eat or I'm just in certain habits. Uh, when I'm around my friends, I eat a little bit differently and there's different friends that I'll make different choices about around just because of their influence and maybe some... Uh, self-consciousness mm-hmm. around my parents i know that if they saw me eating chips after a full dinner like they wouldn't they wouldn't care they wouldn't right. think of anything they'd ask right. for a bowl too yeah so it's something about the comfortability and being like oh i can get away with it yeah and just too like your parents used to provide all of the mm-hmm. food for you as well so there's no responsibility there for you to provide it for yourself so yeah. it's just kind of like I'm going to eat their food because it's there and it's provided for me and I didn't have to think about it and I didn't have to do anything to procure it. It's just there. That makes me feel like such like a freeloader because (laughs) it's like, um, no, I'm like grown. I can pay my own bills, but I go to my parents' house and it's like I raid their pantry and I put together like a snack bag to take home. (laughs) So I just like put stuff in a bag and I'm like, ooh, there's a random energy bar here and then I'm going to make my own trail mix using all of the different fancy deluxe nuts they have and then the pre- like all this stuff like mm-hmm. i could buy it myself but it's like 
it's like I'm going to the food pantry. Well, and I'm sure that that's what they did when you came home from college. Yeah. They were like, let's load yeah. you up on all the stuff. And then you were like, great, because now I don't have to pay for it because mm-hmm. I don't have the budget to buy the mixed nuts bag mm-hmm. myself. So you're kind of yeah. in back, reverting back to a college you. The scarcity. Yes. That was a big thing. Being in college and just being like, oh, my God, like, finally. And... Yeah, that's a huge thing. It's like the scarcity mindset. Even though I could keep my house full of all of these things. Yeah, you could if you wanted to, yeah. right? You could go buy all of that stuff. You could buy the Terry Garcia if you wanted if to. If I wanted to, I but never you don't would. actually want that. You know, I've noticed that in my own house, and you can tell me if this is true for you. If I'm like have a, uh, if I'm low on groceries, like if I don't have a variety of different things, then I find myself just kind of like like eating or eating or snacking things I don't even really want, mm-hmm. just because like that that mind of like there's not much in my house, mm-hmm. versus like when I come home from the grocery store and I have all of the things there, I'm less snacky. Because it, you're mm-hmm. more satisfied yeah. because you were able to choose something that you actually wanted mm-hmm. versus the only thing left are these steel tortilla chips and shredded cheese yeah. so i'm gonna try to mark, make myself nachos out of these yeah. things and then i eat that and i'm like okay what's next popcorn mm-hmm. okay what's next right. like there's a couple pretzels hiding in the back there mm-hmm. so i keep eating because i never really had anything that i wanted in mm-hmm. the first place and how many times have you heard that from clients like they'll tell me like it's not like i eat a bunch of crap really it's just like i eat just stuff that's there Mm -hmm. and it's because they probably were not eating enough during the day or they're just putting so many restrictions on what they can and can't eat that when they want something and their brain is chasing that satisfaction like let's say this happened with another client i was talking to she wanted a piece of chocolate but she made a bunch of other things as like a, a bedtime snack and then she still ended up eating the chocolate because her brain was looking for this certain sensation Mm -hmm. of like oh I want this feeling I want that and we try to shut that down with turkey slices and pickles and a cheese Mm -hmm. stick and then we still eat the chocolate Mm -hmm. so I'm not saying that's the case for everyone but that is something to think about if you are the type who's just throwing random crap together in your pantry is it because you're just so limited and you're just wanting to eat for the sake of eating instead of just indulging in something small Mm -hmm. that's not the right approach for everyone but it's something for for people I had a client who moved back in with her parents, Mm. and she gained, like, I don't know, I'm going to say, like, 25-ish, 30 pounds, Mm -hmm. and gaining, like, over, I want to say, like, a six, seven-month period, and this was before we started working together, and so when we started working together, she's like, I have gained, like, my life has changed, but I've gained so much weight, so it was Mm COVID-related, so... Where she was, she she had kind of just moved there for a new job. She didn't have a lot of friends. Mm. She didn't have a community there. And then when COVID hit, she was, like, very, very isolated. Mm-hmm. And so she decided to keep her place there but then move back in mm. with her parents so she could at least, like, be around people yeah. during the day and kind of, like, have her little bubble here. And she's like, but I just keep gaining weight mm. and so we went through like well what was your life like there like how are you eating how are you treating yourself there compared to mm. at your parents house and she's like well you know like I rely on my mom mm. for most mm-hmm. of the dinners because now that I'm home she has a responsibility mm. and again like during COVID no one was super busy so mom kind of took that on as her new role as providing mm. a good dinner mm-hmm. for the family where they could sit and kind of reconnect at the end of the day when they were all done from, with their work from home sure. duties and so for her it was one less thing that she had to worry about and mm-hmm. it was nice to have somebody else making the food for her but it was very different mm. from the way that she was eating 
when she was on her own. And so mom kind of went towards those comfort type foods, like a protein, like a starch, like mac and cheese or mashed potatoes, and then maybe a couple little veggies if she felt like making the veggies, or it was Mm. like a double starch kind of situation. And then as they were sitting there all together, she would notice going back to get seconds or then maybe everybody sitting down and having dessert together. And so as a social aspect, great, because they're all sitting down and having a meal together. But when she was doing that every single night, it was really adding Mm. up for her. And, you know, in that situation, it's so tricky because how could she have predicted, like, that would happen? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, that takes a lot of forethought to be like, oh, you know, if I keep eating like this, I might gain 25, 30 pounds. You wouldn't go in that situation thinking that. It's almost like in those situations, you have to be really self-aware pretty quick uh into the game and then adjust appropriately but i can see why that'd be really difficult like when you have to worry about all these other things already during a stressful time in the world it's like what's one more thing to focus on oh what i'm eating right but you know that comes back to i mean the freaking name of the podcast and the business nutrition awareness Mm -hmm. that's like the skill and that's Mm -hmm. something we teach our clients always is you have to be aware that way it becomes, you know, a, deci- a choice. I think you have a good quote about it, didn't our creative director, your husband? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the quote is, without awareness, there is only habit. Mm-hmm. With awareness, there is choice. And with choice, there is responsibility. Oh, responsibility. <clears throat> That's a big one. That's a heavy word. Because it's different when you tell someone, like, hey, it's, you know, up to you if you want to eat healthy or not, versus it's your responsibility to take care of your body <laughs> by eating healthy. Well, I like it because then it's, like, no, you can't, I can't, like, say, like, well, I went to my parents and, like, well, they had the ho-ho, so, Mm -hmm. like, you know, I ate them. Yeah. But really, it's, like, well, now that I have the awareness around, like, yes, these things are going to be in the house, and when I'm outside of that environment, it's not something that I really Mm -hmm. enjoy, and so indulging in that doesn't really give me any pleasure. So now I have the choice yeah to decide and if i do decide to indulge in that well that's my it's on me it's Mm. not on my parents it's on me and that stinks it's a lot easier to blame somebody else (laughs) you know there's a lot of talk if anybody listening to this or if you're really into this in neuroscience dopamine just seems to be like the neurotransmitter of the year like everyone's talking about dopamine and serotonin but um a lot of things about dopamine and i was listening to a really interesting um uh, author, I can't remember his name right now, but he wrote a book a lot about uh, uh, managing the dopamine response. Okay. And we hear dopamine and we think, okay, that's the pleasure neurotransmitter. We get a shot of dopamine when we eat something delicious. But really where dopamine is the strongest is when we're anticipating something delicious. Or if we are motivated to do something, it's the moments lead in, leading up to what we think is going to give us the happy response. Think about planning a vacation, like the anticipation of the vacation. Yeah, vacation's awesome, but like there's a distinct different feeling. Um, and I know this in myself. I think this is why, you know, I always had troubles with food and things because I'm a, like a dopamine junkie. Like I chase like the next like feel good thing. I always have to have something planned and looking forward to. And I use that with food. And so when you were talking about the hostess thing, not really giving you pleasure, I wonder if the anticipation of a dessert or the idea of eating a dessert or the thrill of just having something you normally don't have is dopamine being released. And then Mm. once you eat it, you're like, well, that didn't live up to my expectations. (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, I think, so one of the things that has helped me with this, and I don't know if this is relevant for anybody else, but just talking through, like, personal experiences, I've used the time where I'm at my parents and things are just a lot slower to do something that I wouldn't normally do on my own, Mm. like baking a pie from scratch. Mm, mm-hmm. I would never take the time to do that really? here. I don't have time well, yeah, I don't even to baby. bake a pie from scratch. But before There's Liam, no would way. you have? No. Okay. No? no? Nope. Never made a pie crust from scratch. Huh. Never, like, nope. Um, I just am assuming that based off, like, your bread making. Yeah. We all had a bread making face. <laughs> it makes sense, but I think for desserts, mm. I would rather just go to Seven Bites and mm-hmm. buy a one-off dessert that's going to be amazing then put in a couple hours to make one myself and then have a bunch of it so like picking the berries making the pie crust doing that and then indulging in that that actually brought Mm -hmm. me joy so the anticipation of it so I get the dopamine and then the actual having of it but then being able to share it Ah. as well because now I'm with my family and my cousins Mm -hmm. live right down the street and so being able to share that yeah is actual joy versus the I'm gonna just grab this hostess mm-hmm. thing because it's a habit and it's there and much different experience. That that's such an interesting. I'm I'm glad you brought that perspective up because isn't that just the theme for so many of us like in America? The disconnect we have where we look at people in Europe or smaller cities or whatever it might be, just living slower lives where food is mostly about pleasure. And we're like, what the heck? All these Europeans are eating cake at 5 p.m. as like a snack. And they're, you know, having coffee and cigarettes for breakfast and then huge bowls of pasta for dinner. Like, what's up? Well, it's because when we're looking for our just little hits of dopamine, we're like slurping it down and we're over consuming it. We're not really happy with it. So we probably are overindulging. Or maybe we are anticipating that hostess cake. It's not as good as we think it's going to be after we eat it. So then our brain's like, well, what's next? Like, well, you didn't actually satisfy me like I anticipated, but, you know, maybe this box of pretzels will, or, you know, maybe this, I don't know, whatever it would be in the back of the pantry will actually do the job and it doesn't. I had a conversation right before we came here. I had lunch with a client turned friend Mm -hmm. and I told her this is what we were going to talk about. And she said... She was like, were you with me this past weekend? I'm like, what? Mm. What are you talking about? And she was like, yeah, I went to visit my family. And we went on a boat with our family friends that we grew up with, mm-hmm. like the whole family. We all went together. And we were having hamburgers and hot dogs. And she was like, and I had my hamburger, I had a hot dog, I had a couple sides, and I was full, and it was good. But then the mom came around and was like, have another, Chelsea. Have mm. another. Have another. And she was like, Ugh. And then she took it, and she ate it, and she was like, I don't feel good Mm -hmm. now. Why did I do that? Mm -hmm. And she was, like, talking through, like, why did I make that decision? Was it because I wanted some type of, like, motherly approval? Mm. Was it because I wanted the quick compliment of, like, she's going to be happy that I took this Mm -hmm. extra one versus the no, like, the shutdown? So that I'm making other people happy, but I'm making myself miserable it's like because in my normal life i'm very i can very easily say no but why in that situation did i feel Mm. pressure to then take another hot dog she's like i don't even love hot dogs yeah (laughs) you know and i think like those are the questions sometimes we encourage our clients to ask themselves like well why did you do that and only she could answer that. Mm-hmm. It's just that quote again, like going back to the self-awareness. Well, once you're aware that you're engaging in certain eating patterns that you don't really love and that you normally wouldn't agree with, 
you have to like tuck that back into a, a filing cabinet in your brain and pull that out when you're in the situation again and thumb through your papers and say, mm, let's see here, last time we did this, I see here that I did not enjoy that decision. So now I have the option of doing it again, repeating the situation or doing something different. Mm-hmm. And of course, doing something different is probably gonna invoke some uncomfortable feelings. So in, in your friend's case, it would be, oh, saying no to mom might make her feel a little guilty and it might make mom feel a little bit like, okay, like kind of maybe offended or maybe it, it would cause, you know, her mom to keep pushing her and then she'd be in that uncomfortable situation. So then you have to choose which uncomfortable do you want to be, mm-hmm. uncomfortably full or uncomfortable dynamic. Or maybe letting somebody down for a second. Yeah. <laughs> I think women struggle with this a lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you don't. And and she also said her grandma really showed love through food. And so if you want a grandma to love you, you mm-hmm. definitely cleared your plate. So even mm-hmm. being back in that environment where that was a way of showing mm-hmm. love. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our Hispanic clients mm-hmm. <laughs> describe that feeling as well of like mm-hmm. sitting down with family. You better clear your plate. Because we don't tolerate yeah. having food left. And those same clients will have family members that criticize their body weight mm-hmm. and then tell them to eat more. It's very mm-hmm. conflicting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was writing, I'm, in the book that I'm writing, I wrote a lot about like, well, how do you overcome these situations? It's not just with your family, it's just in any context where you find yourself making the same decision over and over again and you're not happy with it so this could be with a partner you know we hear a lot of women say you know as soon as i started dating my boyfriend i gained all this Mm -hmm. weight or they started a new job or they had a shift or they started traveling for work well i think one of the biggest things to do is put up boundaries around your own decisions by means of communication. And what I mean by that is if you have somebody, I call them an excuse enabler. If you have someone that is enabling you to keep making excuses to eat certain ways or eat certain foods that you don't really like, well, it's up to you to communicate with them either ahead of time or in the moment that you don't want to engage in that behavior anymore. So I said a lot of 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 technical things there, but the example would be, Megan, let's say that you and I, uh, we have this thing where we, every Friday, you and I, we go to happy hour and like we ball out. Like it's like a thing you and I both get pleasure out of. We're like, let's get one of everything. Let's get all the sugary drinks. Like we don't care. And every time we walk away being like, oh, we shouldn't have eaten that much. But we make the same decision over and over again because it feels really fun and whatever. And then let's say that you start to feel like, oh, like this isn't serving me anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm just going to not engage in that situation. But then when push comes to shove and we're at happy hour, you fall back in that same pattern. Maybe it's the same fears of like letting me down, making me feel bad. Well, I think one of the best things to do is talk to that person ahead of time and just be like, hey, you know, I love going to happy hour with you on Friday. It's so fun. I don't want to stop doing that. But I also noticed that this is a consequence for me. I come home feeling sick. I feel guilty. I'm not comfortable. I'm trying to lose weight. And if you communicate with that someone ahead of time, then that puts both of you guys in a better situation where she wouldn't feel uncomfortable and you wouldn't feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And you'd probably be surprised about how many other people want to make healthier decisions Mm -hmm. and would feel relieved if you said that. Yeah. And it like allows you to, you're being vulnerable so that they can be vulnerable as well and Mm. accept your vulnerability in a way that is accepting of like where you are and how you're feeling. 
there's that <laughs> B word, vulnerability word. <laughs> it's true. And so, I, you know, if we go back to the, the topic of days, you know, you go back to your parents' house or your family's house or your house of origin, if you will, <laughs> and you find yourself reverting back into those old habits. Well, first, self-awareness. That's the first thing. You can't do anything if you don't realize it. So if you're listening to this and some light bulbs are going off, I'd start a list of maybe some eating habits or eating patterns that you don't like. And then if it's within your... I don't know. I think everyone could do this. I can't. I'm trying to make excuses for people, but I don't think there really is. Talk to your family about the situation. If you have a parent that's constantly giving you snacks or shoving food in front of your face, it's probably coming from a face place of love or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But find a way to compassionately communicate to them that that's just not what you need. Mm-hmm. See if there's another way they can show their love or appreciation. I think one really good way to communicate that is tell them what your goals are. Mm-hmm. And so especially if you have goals surrounding like, I want to feel better, I want to have more energy, I want to lower my blood pressure, I want to be able to run around with my kids, I want to like very concrete positive things that you want to accomplish. If you can share that with friends, family members, whoever, most times they're going to be like, oh wow, like Mm -hmm. they're really working towards something that is worth working towards versus if you go to someone and you're like, I really want to lose 10 pounds before my next cruise. Mm -hmm. Like they may not be as respectful Mm -hmm. of that. (laughs) Especially if you've said that to them a hundred times. So I think like digging a little bit deeper and letting them know like your bigger why Mm -hmm. can I think give them an opportunity to buy in a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So what would you do if that person gave you a lot of pushback? If they were not receptive, if they tried to convince you that, oh, you're fine, like, you look great, you know, you have tons of energy, you get so much done, why wouldn't you want this? How mm-hmm. would you respond? So I, I have a client who goes to visit her son, mm-hmm. and what her son wants to do when they visit is take her to all the best places that mm-hmm. have the best donuts and the best coffee, and I need you to try this new ramen bar, and this place has the best sushi, and so, like, that's the way that her son kind of shows her love is, like, mm-hmm. we're in this amazing city, and I want you to, like, have all of these things. She's really not a foodie, mm-hmm. and she's kind of, like, in a good habit routine with what she's doing at home, so there, it causes her a lot of stress mm-hmm. to go on these trips because she doesn't want to tell him no, and his response is very much like what you just said. Like, yeah. you look fine. You're beautiful. Like, why are you worried about this stuff? Like, mm-hmm. you don't need to worry. Like, just come have some donuts. And so the solution that her and I came up with is just – um basically i don't i don't remember the exact word for it we came up with something catchy but it was like being silent like being Mm. a silent like go along with everything take a bite like if he wants to go get a donut be like hey like get that one like you take a bite you participate silent participation Mm. that's what it was it was like i will participate with you because that's him trying to show his love yeah and she wants to go to the donut places with him and experience it but she doesn't really like donuts that much yeah so it doesn't really matter to her so take a bite don't say anything like i'm not i'm trying to not eat that or Mm -hmm. i'm gonna get the sugar-free one or i'm gonna get the one with the least amount of calories or you just get it you take a bite and you just kind of move on Mm -hmm. and continue the conversation without making it a thing yeah if it's something that someone continues to kind of not belittle you like they're trying to lift you up and make you not worry about something that maybe they think you shouldn't Mm -hmm. be worried about or shouldn't but it's up to you whether you want to work on something or not so I think that kind of like yes I will still participate so a good example of this would be like all of your friends wanting to go to happy hour on Friday night but you don't want to drink like 
just order the soda and the lime and don't mm-hmm. talk about it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to say, like, guys, I'm not drinking right now or mm-hmm. guys, I'm not, like, just I'm going to get my soda and because that's what I feel like doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then change the subject. Uh, what you That example you just said about the mother and son reminded me of that book I was telling you about this morning. So Meg and I were, were having our summit, our business summit this morning. And I was talking about a book club that I do with my friends. And we're reading this book called The Five Archetypes. And basically, you have a dominant archetype. It's either wood, fire, earth, metal, or water. And long story short, the book just helps you identify your own ways of kind of how you look at the world versus other people to help you empathize with what they value versus what you value. So when you were saying this, I was thinking I relate a lot to that son where I find a lot of pleasure and like bringing people experiences and everything is fun. It's more about like, let's do this together. And his just happens to be in the food situation. And so if I was trying to give somebody who was visiting me an experience, like I want to take you here and there and there. And they like more of the routine and the slowness and the uh, comfort, the systems or the habits that would make me feel insecure and make me feel bad if they were like, no, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that solution you came up with um, identifies like that sun kind of as that fire archetype that's all about fun, pleasure, who cares, live your life, let's do it. Where she was more of the metal archetype that's more systemized, routine, mm-hmm. likes predictability. Mm-hmm. And that compromise is amazing because it honors what he needs and lets him give her what he needs. And she also still gets to stick to her goals without feeling completely thrown off. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a really good book for anybody listening to this and finds that their perspective on food or life is totally different than someone else in their life. It could help you empathize with their perspective and then empower you to own your own needs. Another thing that we came up with for her is like her finding a place that she wanted to go to Mm -hmm. in the area Mm -hmm. to be like, hey, I found this place where it was like something that was like, she was very comfortable with and she actually wanted and would enjoy but she could also kind of like stick Mm. with her goals like hey have you heard of this place like do you want to go check that out and that makes him excited because it's like okay we get to go do something different it's something she's actually excited to go do super smart yeah that's brilliant yeah i tell a lot of people who travel a lot who travel for work and find themselves like having to host client lunches and meetings like if you know your territory that you're traveling to like Pick a list of like three to five go-to places that you can either stop at or you can take clients to or have meetings at. Know two or three items on that menu that you could always rely on. And just keep that in your back pocket so that you don't feel like you're jumping all over the place and stressing out. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So we, we bounced around a lot on this topic, but going back to the main point of like, if you go back to your, your family's house and you find yourself slipping back in old habits, be aware of it and then take action to do something different. So go into the situation knowing maybe what you might slip into, what old eating habits or temptations might come up. Um, you might know your parents really well and you can predict what they're going to say or what they're going to do. So arm yourself with either having a conversation or turning back within yourself and sticking to your guns. But like you said, at the end of the day, it's your choice, your responsibility, and you can't blame anyone else. Yeah, so I think the awareness is step one, and then the action of changing that, mm-hmm. if it's something that you want to change, is the step two. And maybe the step in between that is a conversation, mm-hmm. if a conversation needs to be had. And then you repeat. You put the reps in. <laughs> Well, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. It was really fun to talk about, at least on my end. I like talking about these things. So if you guys have any ideas for topics you want us to cover on the podcast, shoot us a direct message at nutrition.awareness. 
And if you really like this episode and you want to share it with people, we love when you guys screenshot our podcast or screenshot you walking or listening to the podcast and tag us on Instagram stories at nutrition.awareness. Love to see it. Thanks, guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Nutrition Awareness Podcast. And if you did find it helpful and want to share it with the whole world, screenshot this episode and tag us on Instagram in your stories at nutrition.awareness so we can connect with you. To get notified about the next episode of Nutrition Awareness, be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. And to create your own personalized nutrition plan with us, be sure to schedule your virtual or in-person consultation on our website, www.orlandodietitian.com. Now get out there, fuel up, and live your healthiest life. We'll see you on the next episode.